Let's just uh, look at some scriptures we're pretty familiar with. Look over at Acts chapter 1. Acts, the first chapter. And uh, look at verse 8. It is amazing. You know, if you do a study on the resurrection, you'll see over and over again in the book of Acts, the resurrection was preeminent. It was that which really, really made his teaching weighty. If he was just another teacher and said a bunch of things but didn't raise from the dead, he'd be among other teachers today that a lot of religions of the world follow. Oh, but he raised up. Yeah, like Clint Brown sings that song, He Got Up. And when he got up, man alive, I'm telling you what, the disciples and the apostles, they went for it. And they preached the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so as you're out there, you know, and people are questioning you about, well, how do you know? Well, you know because he lives in you, because he's resurrected Lord and he raised you up and made you sit together with him. Amen. But notice in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, look at your neighbor and say, we're going somewhere. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he says, but you shall receive power. Now, not, af- not before, but after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. I have such power. I've received such power. He said, you shall receive power. I wonder tonight, have you received such power since you believed? Have you, have you such power in your life? It's Holy Ghost power. It comes as a result of the infilling or the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So he says now, but you shall receive power. The Greek word dunamis is there. Amen. We get our English word dynamite from it. Glory to God. Talk about going, blowing up Satan's kingdom. Going in hospital rooms and blowing up cancers. How about that? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And he says, and you shall be witnesses unto me. And then he, he lists the various areas that they were to be witnesses of. So, so what is a witness tonight? Does anyone know what a witness is? What is a witness? A witness is a demonstrator. One who acts out what's on the inside. A witness is one who has seen something. And is alive to tell something. And to demonstrate something. And so he says, look. Once you receive this power. It will embolden you to be a witness. Okay. Now let's look at this word just for a moment. Power. Power. Look at Luke chapter 10. And notice with me in verse 19. Luke the 10th chapter 19th verse. Everyone say, I have such power. (laughs) So we're not struggling to receive it. We've already got it. Amen. Glory to God. In Luke, the 10th chapter. And and you need to see yourself as a person of power. In Luke, the 10th chapter, in the 19th verse, Jesus said, Behold, I give unto you power or authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. 
Behold now. The word behold means look. I've given you power. I've given you authority. To do some walking. Walking on what? Walking on serpents and scorpions. Now serpents and scorpions are types of demons, devils, and evil spirits. So the question I would ask you tonight. Have you received this authority from the Lord? To walk on top of demons. I believe you have. That's what the master said. But not only did he say that you'll be able to walk on top of those things, but nothing shall by any means hurt you. Amen. So as we are in this world as powerful witnesses for the Lord, demonstrating the fact that he is alive, we might run into some devils, demons, and evil spirits, but don't worry about it. They can't hurt you. They're under your feet. Amen? Walk on top of sickness and disease. Walk on top of the lies of the enemy. Walk on top of poverty and lack. Amen? So he said, once again, behold, I give unto you. See, a lot of people are seeking God for that authority, but that authority already belongs to them. Behold, I give unto you power, authority, to tread on serpents and scorpions. And over all the power of the enemy, nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now look at John chapter 14. John the 14th chapter. And I want us to notice something here in verse chapter uh, chapter 14, verse 12 through 14. Verily, verily, I say unto you, truly, truly, verily, verily means truly, truly, I say unto you, so he's talking to us, he that believes on me, so do you believe on him tonight? Okay, he that believes on me, the works that I do shall he do also. Now what kind of works did Jesus do when he walked the earth? He did some awesome works, he did some good works. Can you think of one good work that he did and spent a lot of time doing? Yeah, how Jesus of Nazareth went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. But notice with me, it's because he was anointed. He was anointed with the Spirit. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. That's the same Spirit that you're filled with. That's the same Spirit of power that's in you and that comes upon you. That enables you to walk on top of devils, to lay hands on the sick, glory to God, and do what needs to be done. So he that believeth on me, that's us, the works that I do shall he do also. So let's not get over spiritual about this. I mean, let's just do it. I mean, every time we come together in church, let's just get people saved. Let's just get people healed. And let's just get people filled with the Spirit. Let's get people that are downtrodden happy. Those that are backslidden restored. That's what kingdom business is all about. And that's what we do here. Why? Because we have such power. You and I have such power. And so, you know, if we, if we can all become 
power-minded, kingdom-minded, doing the works that Jesus did and greater works than these shall I do because I go to the Father-minded, then what we'll do is we'll be looking for opportunities to bring people with us. Okay, so let's read this together. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than they shall he do, because I go to my Father. Greater works. Can anybody tell me what the greater works are? Well, you know, there's two trains of thought along those lines. One train of thought is greater works means greater in quantity. Why? Because there's more of us now than there were then. And then another train of thought, greater works means we have the privilege of getting people saved and filled with the Spirit. Amen? Well, I'll take them both. I'll take the quantity and I'll take people being saved and filled with the Spirit. We should not think it's strange when our church is just overflowing with glory. We should not think it's strange when our altars are just filled with people. It should be just a common, ordinary experience in a Holy Ghost church. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Let's lift our hands. Thank Him. That's you. That's me. That's us. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now, I know that I probably don't need to say this, but this belongs to every believer. It doesn't say, he that's behind the pulpit. It doesn't say, he that's an apostle or a prophet or a pastor or a teacher or an evangelist. It includes them, but it includes all believers everywhere that have such power. Yeah. Say it with me, I have, I have such power. Such power. Wow. Amen. Yes, I do. Thank you, Lord. Now let's look over at Acts chapter 4, verse 33. Thank you. Praise the Lord. To God be the glory. Acts, the fourth chapter, the 33rd verse. Okay, now. We have such power, right? Okay, Acts 4, 33. And with great power. Wow. So there's great power then, right? Well, this power is great. But he says, and with great power gave the apostles witness of what? Something happened on that Sunday morning. That just so inflamed them and empowered them that they couldn't sit still. They had to go tell it. They had to go demonstrate it. They had to go live it and preach it. The Bible says, with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And read the rest of that. And it says, and great grace was upon what? All of them. Every one of us. Great grace is on us all. Great anointing is on us all. And I'm telling you what, when you take all of us and put us together, I just about said holy smoke, and that's what it is. It's holy smoke. It's the glory of God. Amen. Holy smoke. Woo! 
Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Holy smoke. Amen. The glory of the Lord. Amen. So I think we're pretty well convinced that we've got it. And that we have the ability to demonstrate it. And you don't have to wait on a feeling. Some of the greatest miracles will happen when you don't feel a thing. I want you to notice something over here in Mark chapter 16. Mark the 16th chapter. And we're going to do something at the end of this service tonight that uh, is going to be easy to do. And you're going to see some results uh, as a result of what we do tonight. You're going to see some things happen. Amen. All right, now, where did I say go? Mark 16. All right. That's in Mark. Holy smokes. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. (laughs) I'm feeling some of that holy smoke up in here right now. Glory to God. (laughs) Amen. All right, Mark 16, verse 15. And he said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel, the good news to every creature. The gospel is good news. If you're sick, praise God. The good news is Jesus bore your disease. You know, if you're lost, the good news is God loves you. He's mad about you, not mad at you. Just get saved. Will you already? Amen? That's good news. The good news to the poor is, praise the Lord, God ain't poor no more. Never was, never has been, never will be. And if you'll serve him with all of your might and come into alignment with his principles, God will do awesome things in your life. As a matter of fact, you may not have a nickel in your pocket, but according to the W-O-R-D, you are rich. Amen? Amen. Amen. Say that a few times. I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich. rich, rich, rich. Hallelujah. We don't have to be like the fiddle on the roof singing, if I was a rich man. No, we are rich, rich, rich. Amen. (laughs) Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Do you know any creatures that need to hear some good news? I guess so. Just look around. There's all sorts of critters, creatures that need help. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. I like what Brenda preached the other night. These signs shall accompany the believing ones. Amen. They just go right along with your life. You live right. You live holy. You live pure. God will just pour out His Spirit on you and through you and bless you coming in and going out. And signs and wonders will be an absolute uh, common occurrence in your life. Every day. Every day. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they will cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up to heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth because they had all sorts of goosebumps. 
And, and, they, and they went forth because, you know, uh, they just, something, something just was on them. Well, yes, there was someone on them. But let's be honest about it. Do you always feel the presence of the Lord? Thank God for those times that we do, but we don't always feel. Does it require us to feel power for his power to flow through us? Is it a requirement for me to feel fire in my hands and anointing in my hands before I go lay hands on someone? Come on now. Thank God for the fire. And thank God for those times where we, we, I mean, we just, it's like a cloak, you know. The anointing's like a cloak. Where the anointing comes upon you and it's like the anointing just turns you into another man. But what about those times when you don't sense nothing? What about those times where you sense like you need prayer? (laughs) Which is quite a bit of the time. (laughs) Are we going to wait until everything is perfect? Until everything is lined up? Before we open our mouth? Man, if I waited till everything was lined up and perfect before I opened my mouth to preach the gospel, I wouldn't gotten in the pulpit yet. I'll be honest with you about it. The Bible says that we walk by faith and not by sight. We live by faith and not by sight. The only requirement is to be a believing believer. You know, not just a believer on paper. Yes, Simon, I believe. Yeah, great. But a believing believer just goes and just does. Amen. And so the Lord spoke unto them, received up to them, sent around the hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them. Now notice what he did. What did he do? What did he do? He confirmed the word with what? Isn't that awesome? See, we'll, we, we've got our part, right? But you know, we're not the healer. He's the healer. He will always confirm and back his word up if you will preach it and act on it. Whether you feel like it or not. Now we've been looking at some things that Jesus said about prayer. And I want to just highlight one area tonight and then we're going to do it. Look to Matthew chapter 9 verse 35 to 38. Some of these things have been said tonight to, to get your faith built up. Because we, we need to be reminded that we have such power. Amen? I need to be reminded of it. Okay? Now, what I want to look at is something specifically Jesus said that we can do that will affect our loved ones. That will affect our, our moms, our dads. Our sons, our daughters, our nieces, our nephews, our cousins, the the people that uh, I guess you could say that are within the sphere of our influence, the people in our family. Amen? 
Let me ask you tonight, how many of you have relatives that you want to go to heaven? Now, I know there's been times where you felt like telling them to go elsewhere. But you want them to go to heaven. Amen? Now, notice in Matthew chapter 9, here's what Jesus said. In verse 36 to 38, But when, the, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted, they were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but what? The labors are few. The labors are few. So here's what he said to do. He said, Pray ye that the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth labors, Where? Into his harvest. Now, I think it's really significant here. We need to see a truth here. That nowhere in the New Testament are we told to pray that the Lord would save the lost. Nowhere. Nowhere in the New Testament are we told to pray that the Lord would save the lost. You know why that is? Because God has already saved the lost. By sending his son Jesus to the earth to die for the sins of mankind. Now all the sinner must do is accept salvation that is so freely provided through Jesus Christ's work on the cross. Do you see that? And then it becomes his responsibility to believe and to confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. You know what? We could pray forever. We could, we could go on long, extended times of fasting and praying and crying and begging that the lost would be saved or that our relatives would be saved. But they will never be saved unless they hear the gospel. Are you listening to me? How shall they believe until someone is sent? How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they hear without a laborer? And that's why Jesus said, to pray that the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth labors into his harvest. Are we praying that prayer? Jesus told us to. This is absolutely helpful and needful for your loved ones. You have such power. Say that twice with me. I have such power. I have such power. And because you have such power, in addition to this power, you have a right to use such power. To do what, Pastor Mark? To claim your entire household for Christ. It's biblical. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You will be saved. And your entire house. Oh, come on, somebody. Now, listen to this. You have the power to bind and to loose. 
Jesus said in Matthew 16, he says, And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Amen? The power to bind demons and the power to loose labors and the power of God where your relatives are concerned is yours. So listen to this. Bind the power of Satan over their lives and claim their souls for the kingdom of God. And then simply pray, Lord, send somebody to talk to them. Did you know that it's not always easy to talk to your relatives? You have found that out about the Lord? I think one of the things that was so difficult for me is because I was such a jerk. And my parents knew it. And it took a number of years for them to be convinced that what I had was the real thing. You know? Because I came out of such great darkness, it took them a while to warm up to the fact that, you know what? He's the real deal. So, you know, I, it, it, it's difficult to talk to a, a Catholic woman, which was my mother, who uh, went to masses her entire life in Latin and convince her that she needs to be saved. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But God sends laborers. And in her case, the labor was Brenda. It wasn't me, it was Brenda. And then I have another brother, his name is Dan, and he lives down in Phoenix. He's the oldest of four. I was the baby. Tim was my brother right up a couple years older, and then Lucy about four or five years older. And she's doing fine, by the way. She's had battle with cancer, but she's clear again. Hallelujah. We're calling her forever clear. But, but then Danny, you know, I mean, you, you, you can't talk to your old brother about the Lord. You know, it's hard to, unless you're led to. You know, there's a difference between just blindly going in and blurting out the gospel and being led. Amen. And so, you know, check up, check up with the Lord. And if you've got an unction, you know, to, to talk to one of them about the Lord, I'm talking about leading them to the Lord, then, then go for it. Yeah. But if you don't, bind up that unseen force that's holding them in darkness. Yeah. You have such power. Mm-hmm. Take that dominion over that which holds them in darkness and in bondage and simply say, Satan... I break your power over my loved one. Maybe your loved one's name is Ed. And in the name of Jesus, I demand you to take your hands off him and I claim his salvation for the Lord. I claim him. And if you're not led to talk to him, I'm telling you what, God's got plenty of us all over the world. I said he's got plenty of us all over. the. You know we're a big family now. You know we're big. And you don't have to be word of faith to be part of the family. You can be Baptist, you know. You can be Catholic. The family of God's big. And then you pray, Lord, send a labor across their path. And if you pray that in faith, I have a question for you. Will he send a labor? You better believe he will. God send a labor to my brother Dan. 
God will send a laborer to your sister Sue. God will send a laborer down into the inner city. Get some of those kids out of crack houses. God will send a labor into the, to the realm of economics, into the political field. There are labors all over this world. Amen. Hallelujah. You see, there's someone, and God knows who that someone is. Who can reach your unsaved loved ones. And then you need to be willing to be a laborer yourself. Be willing to say, Lord, here I am. Send me. Here I am, Lord. Use me. I'm available. But there's someone out there that can influence them. Someone prayed for me. Someone prayed for me. I know my mom probably wore out several beads. Seriously. I mean, she prayed the rosary right up until, you know, she couldn't pray anymore. But she prayed and prayed and prayed. I know Brenda probably prayed for me. The prayer of intercession. God will lay your loved one on someone's heart. He'll do it. And all you've got to do is bind up the devil because you have such power. And then when you don't see things happening for days and days and months and sometimes years, don't be a crybaby. Be a praise person. Come on now, there's a difference between being a crybaby and a praise person. Oh, Lord, I thank you. Aunt Sally's coming in. Yeah, but don't you heard Aunt Sally just went to jail last week? Lord, send the labor. There's plenty of labors in prison. I'm telling you right now. There are plenty of, there's plenty of women, plenty of men in prison that'll speak to your loved one. Amen? Instead of just crying and bawling and, well, we need to go on a 21-day fast. A lot of people that go on 21-day fast don't get nothing but hungry. You got to be led to do that. God's got a person. For your people. God's got a labor. Send the laborers, Lord. Send the laborers, Lord. Send the laborers, Lord. Jesus. The first person that witnessed to me was a prisoner. I was in a prison of a different type. I was in a state institution. Locked up with a bunch of drug addicts and a bunch of alcoholics. An interesting lot we were. (laughs) Talk about pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, Jesus, thank you. I just can say thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Hallelujah. But, But my point is God has always got a ram... In the thicket. Hallelujah. And that ram may be tattooed. You know, it don't matter. That's right. That's right. Amen. 
Bayless Conley got saved by a 12. He, a twi- he was tripping on LSD. Sitting up on a rock by a river in Oregon. And a little 12-year-old. Hair in braids down to here. Pastors a church of about seven, 8,000 in Southern California. 12-year-old came up to him. said, do you know Jesus? He said he saw a light on the kid. And he said there was something about that kid. And he said, do you know Jesus? And he said he couldn't get away from it. And the kid invited him over to his parents' house for a dinner. He said, yeah, I'll go. He went to dinner. They said, would you like to go to church? He went to church. And you know what happened. Got saved. It don't matter. Hey, God's God. He, he don't, you don't have to worry how. You just praise Him because He's the who. And so anyway, this fella in the, in the state hospital had been out of Stillwater prison. And, you know, a lot of times these drug addicts and alcoholics, you know, they'd give them one more chance to go through treatment. And if they failed treatment, they'd send them back to prison. And he was there and he handed me one of these little uh, chick tracks. Is that what they call them? Chick? Yeah, little, little chick tracks. You know, little funny cartoons? And so, you know, picked it up, looked at it, put it away. A little while later, you know, a few days later, a few weeks later, says, you know, there's a meeting coming to town. And I want to invite you to come with me. What kind of meeting? Well, you know, they have music and their guy's going to speak and he's going to, you know, share the gospel. And I thought, yeah, you know, anything's better than these four walls. But you see, that was the connection. He was the link. No doubt there'd been plenty of prayers. That night I came to the altar and gave my heart to Jesus. And I want you to know that the hand of the Lord is upon your loved ones. If you'll refuse to doubt and you refuse to back off because you have such power, the power of binding and loosing, the power to demand evil spirits to just take their rotten, stinking hands off of them. It's like Pastor Nancy was praying, let there be light, let there be God. Let there be light. Send a labor of light to our dear loved ones. Amen. And then you pray to be that labor for someone else. Don't go just through life just nine to five and flaking off and, you know, belching and burping and watching TV all night. You know, don't be a flake. Wake up. Wake up. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Lord, make us laborers. Let's stand up. You ready to act this out? You ready to do the word?